0: This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to Realtor.com forward slash profile. Everyone, welcome back to the Real View podcast. I am your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me today is Dr. Lisa Sturdevant. She is the Chief Economist at Bright MLS. Dr. Sturdevant has been involved in research on economic, demographic, and housing market issues for more than 20 years. She currently serves as Chief Economist with Bright MLS, one of the largest multiple listing services in the country, serving over 100,000 subscribers across 6 states and the District of Columbia. In her role, she leads research and forecast activities for Bright, serving as a thought leader on the housing market. She completed her PhD in public policy from George Mason University, has a master's degree in public policy from the University of Maryland, and a BS in mathematical economics from Wake Forest University. And you may also remember her from our Broker Summit this fall. She was one of our awesome speakers and gave a great presentation. So I'm really excited to be welcoming her back to the Ohio Realtors family and have her on this show today, Lisa. Welcome on to today's episode. Thank you so
1: much for uh, for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. And um, I was just telling her before we started recording, you know, it was really great, her presentation at Broker Summit. And you're such a great presenter. And I know like presenting on economics, sometimes people are like, oh, like, is this, you know, going to be like, you know, what, what can we expect? And you did such a great job. So I can't wait to so learn more about what you, what you said there and to share it with a wider audience. Cause I think some of the, you pointed out some really great facts and information and I think gave a positive outlook on. Um, the, the housing economy and what we can expect moving into the new year of 2024. But before we get started on that, I know I gave a little bit of, of your background and, um, how you got started, um, in the industry, but could you share from your perspective just a little bit more about, um, you know, your career history, what led you to where you are today, and, um, a little bit more about the work you do at Bright? Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for that. And I just want to start with this
1: idea of presenting economic data in a way that's accessible and interesting. I think uh, we've all sat in presentations where someone's trying to tell us something about the economy. We think it's important, but we just don't know because we're so bored and we can't (laughs) like pay attention anymore. And so I have always really wanted to use data on the market, on the housing market, on the economy uh, to tell a story. Right. And so that people can be in a better position to be a resource for their clients, their colleagues, their communities, to, to use that data to really tell a story. So that we can better understand and kind of wade through all the information that's out there in order to kind of bring a little bit more clarity to what's going on and what we can expect. I think I have like really got interested in telling data in an interesting way when I was I was a on the faculty at the School of Public Policy in at, in George Mason. I had to teach statistics at seven thirty p.m. on Thursday nights to people who worked all day. So these were mostly people who had full time jobs. Thursday night, 7 p.m., they had to sit for two and a half hours and listen to statistics, right? And so if that's your audience and they, none of them wanted to be there because it was a required class and they were, you know, and so it was this idea of how can you make it relevant? How can you make, how can you break it down? And I think that's always been, been what I've been interested in. But I will be honest that I got interested in housing. Back in 2000, so a long time ago, when my husband and I were buying our first home and we were buying our first home and we looked around at all of our friends who were also sort of in the same demographic, same age, we were all, we were making very different decisions than they were. We were staying in the city, they were moving to the suburbs and it got me really, really interested in the factors that drive people's housing and location choices. And so that's sort of where it began. I did my dissertation on residential location preferences, the drivers of housing demand. And as I uh, learned more about housing and the important role it played in the economy, I got very, very interested in how housing can really be part of uh, locality's economic development strategy. If you're a place where housing is more affordable, if you're a place where there's more options, you might be able to attract more folks. And we're actually seeing that in today's market, right? One of the things we talked about at the Broker Summit is places like some markets in Ohio that are relatively more affordable still, do have a a comparative advantage when you look across the country where uh, home prices and affordability is, uh, are much worse than they have been in recent years.
0: Thank you for that, and we're going to get into all of that because you presented us uh, some really interesting uh, information. You know, reasons why people move, you know, why why people are moving into Ohio specifically. So I can't wait to kind of talk a little bit more about that and, and what you're seeing, kind of, from your research. But thank you so much for sharing your background, and I can tell, you know, you you have that same interest and passion still that you did your your research on at school. So very cool to see and love that that passion still still stayed with you. Okay, so let's dive into the topic. 2024. Where does the real estate market stand? You know, going into this new year, where where are we? Where are we in the market? I mean, we know, we all know a little bit about, you know, what's out there right now with interest rates and and, um, low inventory, but where do we stand as a market as a whole heading into this new year? Yeah,
1: I I think, you know, we really want to talk about what's heading in the new year, but, you know, it would be irresponsible of me not to recognize what, what else is going on in the industry in terms of the recent litigation and how much uncertainty there is in the real estate industry. Not my area of expertise, but you do have to kind of take that into account that there's a lot of change going on in the market. There's a lot of uncertainty in the market. Uh, There is a lot of opportunity though, and I did mention this at the broker summit, there's a lot of opportunity for brokers and agents to be talking with consumers about the value they bring to the transaction. And I think that's going to be more important than ever. I do think the uncertainty in the market is um, going to cause some prospective buyers and sellers to be a little more hesitant than they might have otherwise. So looking ahead to 2024, I think we're going to see, um, you know, a, a market that remains slower than typical. You know, nationally, there's usually about 5.2 million home sales in a given year. We'll still be below that in 2024 as the kind of we are working through this uncertain transition. And, and while there will certainly still be prospective home buyers out there, inventory is still going to stay relatively low. And in most markets, particularly some of the more affordable markets in parts of the Midwest and the South, prices are still going to rise. The, the wild card really is, you know, will uh, mortgage rates at 8%, which I think is where we're headed here at the end of 2023, how many people is that going to take out of the market and for how long? And I, I do think that for some people, the numbers simply aren't going to work anymore at 8%. And for others, they're going to to wait a little bit and, and see where they come down. So I think it's going to be a really slow first quarter 2024 before we get uh, into a, a little bit more of a typical cadence as we head into the second half of the year when rates begin to come down a little bit and uh, inventory loosens up.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, from your from your presentation at Broker Summit that you know we're probably never going to see those you know low 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 3% 2% interest rates ever again so if you're you know waiting for that and holding out for that probably not going to happen is there a sweet spot that you think with interest rates that we may start seeing some of the people who are sidelined because of them begin to start taking taking interest again and in really putting more effort into the home buying process yeah you know i think it's
1: both home buyers and sellers right that are waiting for and and i think you're absolutely right and i you know just to reemphasize that You know, particularly for some agents and consumers who may have only been in the real estate market for the last few years and have seen rates around 3%, those rates are not coming back. I mean, for a lot of reasons. And we are in a new mortgage rate environment that has almost less to do with what the Federal Reserve is doing and more to do with what's happening with federal budget deficits and with the overall economy. And I think we're going to find that the reset is going to be around six percent. So a thirty-year fixed rate is going to be at six percent when all is said and done. Maybe by the end of twenty twenty-four, and and prospective home buyers are going to have to adjust. And I think it's going to be uh, such that home prices, while they will still rise, won't be rising as fast and may be more in line with home price growth. And when we talk about a sweet spot, you know, there's research out from the John Burns Consulting firm that says that. Rates, sellers are waiting for rates to hit five and a half percent before they're willing to give up their super low rate, you know, and sell and, and buy. I don't think they have to go to five and a half percent. I think if we start to see rates start to head towards six, people who are sitting and waiting to sell are, are going to, are going to make a move because life happens, right? People get married. People have kids. People get a job change. And as your members know, you know those are the primary reasons why people move, and that's going to continue to happen. And as rates come down a little bit, we're going to see inventory rise. And as inventory rises, that is going to increase transactions. So I think as we see mortgage rates ease and head towards six percent, I think that's when we're going to start to see the market begin to accelerate, both because supply and demand will be um, attracted into the market.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think that's a number we're all you know going to wait to see what happens once once that hits could be a big boost for us when it comes to the sellers and the buyers. And I want to talk about too about uh, let's get into why people are moving. And you know, we mentioned some of the things. You know, life is happening. You know, you have kids, you have families, but. You uh, presented in your presentation the number one reason why uh, people are moving into Ohio. Why don't you share that with us and tell us a little bit more about what you're seeing as to why people are coming into our state? Yeah,
1: no, right. So you, you can track how people are moving from state to state. And we're seeing that, you know, uh, uh, folks move into Ohio, folks move out of Ohio. Um, and we're seeing that uh, there's a lot of movement into the state from places where housing costs are higher, right? Places like California, places like New York. For some people, uh, moves are related to wanting to be closer to family, wanting to um, a different pace of life. Others have been able to move and work remotely, so are, are able to choose a location where they can get more house for their dollar. Um, and places like uh, Ohio other parts of the Midwest and the South have really been a, a beneficiary of that. We've also, um, you know, maybe surprising, but there's a good number of people moving from Florida to Ohio. People do do the reverse. And I... Um, I like to uh, I like to say that you know one of the big points on your life when you move is when you retire, right? So it's like it's getting married, it's having kids, job change, and retirement. Those are the big ones. And the number one place retirees move is not Florida or Arizona; it's where the grandkids are. And so the extent to which there are families living here in Ohio, I bet we're going to see more of that retiree movement um, as as there are more affordable options um, here and i do think as we have seen affordability worsen on the coasts that the market here in ohio is going to be stronger in 2024 than it is in some of those higher cost unaffordable markets on the coasts i think that's kind of what we want you know here i'm in the mid atlantic and we're sort of aside from dc which is a little bit higher cost we're sort of that kind of we never have really big highs or really big lows and i feel like that's similar in um in parts of ohio too is that we'll sort of be a steady market here in 2024 as more people are looking for value and are also sort of looking to reevaluate like quality of life issues for sure.
0: Yeah. And I know one of the things, you know, that we work uh, with our jobs, Ohio here in the, in the state and why we're bringing people, you know, to move, move here, take jobs here. You know, the, the whole um, idea of economic development is one of the things that's come up is just the, how stable the weather is in Ohio. And how we're not at risk of, you know, some of these other, you know, major weather events that, you know, the coasts face that, you know, you know, even fought with fires, hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes. You know, we are such a weather stable state that I think that that's attracting a lot of people, too. Is that something you found as well? That's
1: so interesting. I've never heard anybody say that, but it's sort of it really makes sense because there's some there's some data from the current population survey that asks people why they move. And as you mentioned, the primary reason people move is still family-related reasons. Some of these discretionary reasons, oh, I just want a better house or a bigger, neighbor, a better neighborhood, that share is lower now than it is traditionally. But what has increased in terms of the reasons for moving are issues related to climate. I'm not sure because I don't know exactly what people are thinking when they answer that survey, but I don't think it's just temperature. I think it's look, it is very difficult to get insurance in California right now, for example. It is very hard and very expensive to insure your home on a coast in a coastal location. And so the extent to which climate change, climate risks and how that plays out in terms of costs, I think that's going to be a bigger and bigger factor for folks as we head you know, into the next decade.
0: This episode of The Real View is brought to you by The Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. Yeah, I think so too. And I even think, you know, what happened in Texas, you know, just a year or two ago when they had the, the major freeze come through and they had no electricity for weeks, you know, you're never going to have something like that happening in Ohio, or at least probably not. You know, I shouldn't say never, but you're probably never going to deal with that, you know, in, in in Ohio. And I think that's why we've seen so many jobs, you know, choose the Midwest too, is because of, you know, you're not going to have people not being able to go to work, you know, for multiple days because of whatever natural event has, has occurred. So I think that that's interesting. And that's cool that you found that too, that people are saying climate change is a reason why they may be Wanna, maybe that's why we're seeing some of those Florida movers come up. Maybe
1: so. And I do. I think it's really interesting to the employer angle is that, you know, employers are thinking about that. They're thinking about what it. where should I go where I'm going to be able to attract workers because we're not all working from home. Right. We, we do. We are. A lot of us are working in the office and. And I think quality of life, uh, issues related to climate change. And frankly, this, I, uh, this housing affordability issue, first time home buyers in particular are having a really, really hard time getting into the market now. And if you were looking at your job options and there was a good option in a place where homes are also more affordable, that, that could entice. Uh, entice you to move to that location. And I think more and more employers understand that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. And I know one of the things you you mentioned, too, is just about working from home and that we are starting to see that trend not go away completely, but certainly not as robust as maybe it was during COVID. And, you know, some of these companies are saying, hey, you need to start being, you know, in more than what you've been in the past two years. And that's going to cause some people to, to buy or sell and relocate as well, depending on what they're their employer has, um. So we kind of talked about some of the challenges, you know, that's that's facing this market with interest rates and inventory and things like that. But you mentioned that there's opportunities that that exist coming into this year. What can we expect? What's some bright spots or positives or things that you're looking forward to this year that um are going to be good for our housing market for our realtors and our home buyers and sellers? Understandably,
1: we get caught up in the the news on mortgage rates and on inflation and the what's right in front of us. And sometimes it's easy to forget that the strength of the housing market is driven by two things, primarily. One is the condition of the economy, how good people feel about their jobs. And right now, job growth is strong. Wage growth is still very strong. And so uh, overall, econ- the, the overall economy grew at faster than expected in the third quarter of this year. Um So the economy is still going very strong. There are some indications that we may end up hitting a mild recession in the first half of 2023, but the key is mild and short. So overall, economic conditions are relatively strong. But the other big one that gets even less attention is the fact that demographics are favorable right now for a a strong housing market. We know that, as I mentioned, there are several points in your life where you tend to purchase a home. And we have the largest... Uh, population of folks in that first-time home buying age. The age at buying a first home has actually increased. It's now 36 is the median age of a first-time home buyer, the highest uh, it's been. And uh, we know the millennials are now between the ages of about 28 and 42 and right smack in that sort of first-time home buying age. And if you looked at the homeownership rates for folks in their 30s now versus people who are in their 30s 10, 20 years ago those homeownership rates for folks in the 30s are still lower than they have been historically, which means there's still pent up demand for homeownership that is still yet to be met. And folks have had to wait for financial reasons. They've had to wait because they can't compete because there's such low inventory. And those folks are going to be in the market here next year, the year to come, really for the next five, seven years to support strong demand in the housing market. And so, you know, that's certainly one of the favorable things favorable things in the market, coupled with the relatively strong economy and the fact that wages are still are still rising.
0: Yeah, yeah, really great. I think positive outlook, as you mentioned, it's so easy to get caught up in what we hear in the negativity of it all. But that's good to know that there's positive conditions um, that, that could mean a really strong housing market. And I'm glad you brought up millennials, too. And you talked about this, that group of people, you know, in your presentation, too, about, you know, this is the, the oldest jet that they've ever been in buying homes, homeownership is first time home. What does that look like for first-time homebuyers? Is it still possible to, to get a home, you know, knowing all of the challenges that face them, knowing that, you know, we've been through COVID and we all have been in our homes. And you mentioned, you know, the marriage rate is so low because of the pandemic and how do you date in a pandemic and in some of that stuff. Talk about that population kind of specifically what's kind of facing them and what you expect. I know you you said, you know, you expect to see them starting to enter the market, but specifically when it comes to that generation, uh, what can we expect from them? I'm a Gen Xer,
1: right? So I'm in the middle uh, between the boomers and the millennials. And Boomers and millennials get a lot of talk, which is fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not upset about that. But, um, but frankly, it's because there is such a large population. But the, the millennials in particular have faced a double challenge over the last 15 years, coming out of college and high school in 2008 in the worst, uh, recession since the Great Depression. So it took longer to get, uh, move, uh forward movement in their careers and, and wages. Uh, They then delayed things like marriage and having children because of that financial pressure. And then as they reach the age where uh, folks are often looking to get married and have children, what else do we have to deal with? We have to deal with a global pandemic. And so there's just been these forces that have uh, led to this particular generation delaying those milestones that are typically associated with home buying, whether it's getting married or having children. As they move into this market now, they've had to delay that. And the you know the the bad part is as as you all know, is as you know, every the as you delay entry into home ownership, you're delaying that uh, opportunity for wealth creation. And so that you know, that's the big challenge. And so what's happening is we're seeing that young people, and I say young people getting up to 42 now, millennials are now 42. Uh, millennials are, uh, finding, they are having to find, in some cases, kind of creative ways to get into homeownership. We're seeing more intra-generational transfer of wealth. That's like a fancy way of saying boomers are giving cash to their millennial children to buy a home now, as opposed to maybe waiting till it's get passed over as an inheritance. We're finding, uh, young people who are purchasing homes with their parents, right? Multi-generational living is becoming more common to make it more cost effective to get into home ownership. We're seeing millennials and first-time buyers who are interested in purchasing a home where there's a rental stream affiliated with the home, maybe, uh, maybe a duplex or renting out part of the home to make the numbers work. Um, and then frankly, this is really an interesting time for some innovative ways to access home ownership fractional homeownership, which is very, very new. But it's, um, you know, it's buying a home with other people where you are able to accrue equity. Um, but it's a very different model. And I think that's where, you know, we're finding out that uh, this group of first-time homebuyers who really desire homeownership are finding ways to be creative. And they are looking for guidance, right, from real estate professionals, I think more so now than ever, because the conditions are so challenging.
0: Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because I was just going to bring that up about, you know, millennials are kind of known as that do it DIY generation. You know, we could, we don't need handymen. We're going to, you know, watch a TikTok video on how to replace something, or we're going to go, you know, f- learn how to cook based off of, you know, what we can find on the internet. And, but you mentioned in, in the presentation that they want a realtor, that they need a realtor, that they're not going to head into this uncharted territory, you know, without the guidance of somebody. And I think that that's really good to to hear, especially when you talked earlier about, hey, like now's the time where our realtors need to be proving our value and proving our worth. And it sounds like this generation is eager for that. I think we often
1: maybe have the misperception that since this generation is the first digital generation who has grown up with the internet, that this generation has come into their adult years where it is very easy uh, in some ways to find a home there are lots of portals out there there's lots of home ways to look at properties but the fact of the matter is this is also a generation because of financial and 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 cultural and other reasons that have relied on their parents for longer right this is the generation uh moved in with their parents at greater rates than any prior generation going back 100 years, there has been an important like advisory role that parents have played to all of us when we were young adults. But certainly it has it has been very true over the last 15 years or so. And so while millennials are going to look for a home online, for sure, they're going to bring you a list and they're going to you know tell you what you know what they want to see. This is a generation that's going to ask you for things like, you know, what do I need to know about insuring a home? Or what does it mean if this is a stucco home? Uh, or or what sorts of systems should I be thinking, of? like, what do I need to know about maintaining a home? We know that from NAR survey that people say the most important thing an agent does is find help them find the right home. I think that's a little bit misleading. There's other research that actually has said that what buyers are looking for is for that advice to avoid making a really big mistake, right? Those things like help me figure out what questions I need to ask, what professionals I need to bring in, and also help me find out how to make this work with the right lender, with the right programs, right? Because it's it's more challenging now. So I think being that sounding board, I also, I also mentioned like and your real estate, your agents, your members know this, like you need to play psychologist, you need to play like financial planner, right? And that is the role that is going to be more and more important as this particular generation is is really encountering a very challenging housing market.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think now more than ever, you know, we're going to really need to be the experts in everything Beyond just like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'll show up at closing day and and have you here's your stack of papers you need to sign. I think we're really as as agents we're really going to need to be there, you know, before, during, and even after the home process. You know, I that I think that relationship might continue maybe with this generation to where they're gonna say, hey, you know, give me a good landscaper or give me, you know, give me you know someone that can come do my HVAC testing, you know, once a year. You know, like who who do I call for that? I can see that kind of being the role that the realtor plays, you know, with this generation too.
1: You know, I think all realtors know the importance of staying in touch with clients after the sale. It's interesting to me how many don't, though. Right. How many don't. And I think that while best practice, everyone knows the best practice of staying in touch and 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 maintaining those uh, connections. I think that it is going to be even more valuable to do so for exactly the reasons that you
0: mentioned. I think so, too. I think this is where we could really, you know, build a great relationship with, with our clients, with this generation, um, and, and make them lifelong, you know, lifelong clients and lifelong, you know, people you can go to, That when they're ready, if they're retiring and they're ready to, to, to sell their house again, that they're going to give you a call. Anything else, doctor, before we uh, wrap up today that you're keeping an eye on that we should be aware of that you want to make sure, you know, our realtors and consumers are going to be thinking about as we head into this new year um, in the housing market? Uh, you know,
1: I'm watching the economic data a lot, you know, the Federal Reserve uh, on November 1st, you know, kept interest rates steady. We're not sure what they're going to do in December. I think all eyes are on, you know, how the economy performs and whether there's going to be a recession. And I mentioned that not because I think there's some big economic shock coming. I mentioned it because I think it is contributing to like a growing level of anxiety among Consumers. the The economy really has been driven by very rapid consumer spending. We're spending a lot of money. I, I might have mentioned this term, revenge spending. Right? We're <laughs> during the pandemic, we couldn't spend money on anything, and now we're like spending it like gangbusters. And but we are seeing that pace of spending slow, and it could slow dramatically. And my my reason for mentioning that is there may be a time where it feels like um, nobody is, is out there looking to buy and nobody's out there looking to list because there's a lot of uncertainty. Don't give up on those folks, though. Stay in touch, right? Because it's not, again, it's not that they aren't interested in being in the market. It's just that home buying is a financial decision, but it is also an emotional and a psychological decision. And if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling like, look, the holidays are coming, let me just get through that. It, it doesn't mean I'm out of the market. It just means I need a minute. And I think there's going to be some consumers who are going to need a minute here in the last quarter of this year into the first quarter of next year. But if you stay in touch with them and and be a resource for them um, when they're ready, they will really be glad to have somebody that they can reach out to. So that that I guess that's the only other thing I would mention is just rem- remember that this is the biggest financial decision of, of, of a family or an individual's life usually. And it is also in a very emotional and and uh, and psychological decision, and that's gonna be front of mind for a lot of people here in the next few months.
0: And on the topic too of of why use a realtor, I mean imagine heading into the biggest purchase that you probably will ever make in your life without someone there to guide you through it. That's, that's like scary to me, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Think about that. Like, you know, we do all sorts of things where we look for advice and and we look for, you know, we look for guidance because we can't be experts on everything. There's, doesn't make any sense to be an expert on everything. And so as we have placed uh, our value in other professionals who have guided us in, in big decisions so too will will we want to put our trust in a in a in a real estate professional uh, to do so as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you need legal advice, you're going to go to your lawyer. You, your lawyer. You need, uh, you know, financial advice. You're going to your financial planner. You want to buy a house, then you got to go to a realtor. I mean, I think we're all kind of. Kind of under that all same umbrella where you know you don't want to be doing this on your own, especially with some of the things you mentioned, challenges that are existing out there, low inventory. You know, realtors know know this world better than anyone, and um, they can help you get to to your dream goal. And it may not be possible without using one, at least at least in our opinion <laughs> um, here. Absolutely. But, Doctor, thank you so much again for for coming on. Thanks for being at Broker Summit. You did such an amazing job and have made economics fun and interesting and and um, enjoyable to listen to. And you've really helped to tell that story of, of our market and uh, what we can look forward to in this year and, and spread a little hope in it too, that, hey, for those first-time homebuyers or people who who have been sidelined, you know, it's going to be okay. There is hope and you can still make this goal possible. Well,
1: thank you. And again, I look forward to, um, you know, staying in touch with you and your members and the extent to which there's ever a need to kind of make uh, housing market and economic data more intelligible. I hope you'll continue to reach out.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I enjoy talking to you and I know I heard great Great things after Broker Summit as well. So I know our members uh, feel the same. So thank you again, and we'll be in touch very soon. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at Ohio slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions we want to hear from you? Email us at podcast at realtors.org. We'll see you next time.